we're not saying that HCX is the migration tool from your NSXV right. to NSXT. Uh, we are a part of it. Powerful new technology. Cloud migration. Fully integrated system. HCX. And today we're delighted to announce. Welcome to the HCX Majors Podcast, episode 6 for Friday, February 26, 2021. Live from Indiana, I'm Britton Johnson. And from Wisconsin, I am Heath Johnson. And from Colorado, I'm Andy Belts. All right, that is a successful opening of episode 6. It takes two times sometimes, but you know, we'll get there. Um, it's a, a different crew today. A couple of our usual majors were not able to make an attendance. It's really just Andy and I holding down the fort. And I brought in my brother as backup because, you know, he's always there for, for stuff. So, so you're saying I'm not a major? Is you, that what you you're saying? You are not a major because you did not go I through mean, the HGX majors program. But I was a major before you're, the program you're, existed. You're a major something. I could feel Mo wanting to chime in here. <laughs> nice. So welcome to the show, Mo Mag- Magdi, our HGX PM extraordinaire. Hey, Britt. How are you? Hey, Andy. Heath. Hey. Yeah. So Heath, Heath is a founding major, I'd say that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was I was installing HGX before it had a user interface. Whoa! Yes. Wow. Yeah. So before it worked, I would say anytime, <laughs> okay. anytime you go to someone when you're trying to figure something out, that constitutes a major. And that's I was coming to Heath when I was trying to figure things out. So all right, we'll, we'll, you got we'll, my stamp of approval. We'll, we'll give him that one, the temporary credit. honorary. Yeah, the honor, I'm honorary, the honorary credit. We'll send you a T-shirt if we ever get any made. Excellent. But, yeah. So we uh, Kofi's out, out with with customer meetings today. Uh, Francis, I think, is on PTO. So you know, we'll we will charge on. And, and and work through this. We we have a lot to talk about. Um, so but first, I kind of want to get the the social checkup on things because we've all been locked up in our houses for a full year now. So, Heath, how are how 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 are things in Wisconsin? Are you allowed to go anywhere yet? Um, not in this county, no. But um, <laughs> the the for the for the first time, I'm actually starting to see the grass outside my window here, mm. which is pretty amazing. Nice. The rest of the yard is about 12 to 18 inches of snow on the ground. Um, and I'm done with it. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for uh, grass to come back again. All right. Yeah, I usually do the, the cold weather check with Kofi in Canada. So we'll, we'll do that with Mo today. So Mo, how's the weather in Canada? It is uh, warmer than, than it used to. Um, I was just uh, talking to my colleagues yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, most of them are based out of Palo Alto, so they don't know what weather is. They got a single season <laughs> all year round. And I was telling them it's it's nine degrees Fahrenheit and I need to be in my shorts on a bike somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you're holding me. And, and they were saying, well, it's 65 here and we're freezing. I was like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's definitely better. I did go for a walk with, with my wife and, and son, uh, today he was on a bike. 
So I was jealous, but I had to walk because my wife was there. Um, (laughs) But other than that, things are good. I'm finally uh, pushing my kids out of out of my house. They're going to school and they're coming back. Uh, Things are not opening uh, fully yet, but uh, in in some cities around us, they are. So we sort of sneak. You're you're in Toronto area, right? Um, I'm I'm in a burb just outside of Toronto. It's yeah. called Mississauga. Okay. Uh, just because it's it's hard for others to pronounce it. <laughs> just want to say it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, things are opening up, and hopefully in two weeks or so, our mayor will uh, will do something about it because cool. people are going crazy. A- Andy, yeah. how's Colorado? I know it swings like crazy out there. Yep, it was, we got 10 inches of snow at my house the other night, uh, overnight, today is 41, and it's all melting, so yeah. um, the mountains have a lot of snow right now, I went snowboarding last weekend for a couple of days in a row, and it's it's deep up there, yeah. so that's I, good. I I royally messed up my back this, this you know, like, beginning of January, and... Mm-hmm. Like I've been wanting just ever since while well, working through that recovery process, I've been really wanting to go snowboarding so bad and I just can't because there's nowhere because Indiana, Indiana doesn't really have, you know, hills. Like, I think there might be one place down in Southern Indiana somewhere, but I haven't figured that out yet. Yep. Well, um, should come visit. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of places. It sounds like you've got friends with people yeah. uh, that are in those kinds of places. So Idea. let me know. Well, hey, I got a ski rink in my backyard, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, but all in all, Colorado's doing well. Weather's normal. And um, where I live, people generally do what they need to do. There's not really any risk of, you know, going out and it's normal business as usual as far as i'm concerned so let's kind of roll through our general topics of stuff here so we just released was it yesterday mo or was it the two days ago now um it it was on tuesday tuesday hcx 4.0 is released and i got lots of customer feedback already immediately on it (laughs) Wow. I think the first thing to talk about is this uh, release versioning. So you guys, we, before there was, you know, this, these R releases where it was R and a number, and now you're moving to the VMware standard of, you know, dot, dot, dot versioning. So aside from, aside from the simple answer of this is the way VMware does everything. Is there another reason why to, to move to that? Yeah, um, there are a couple of reasons actually, and a lot of them are, are related to uh, operationalizing the the product. Um, so, you know, in the past we had those rapid release cycles with the two weeks apart, and then um, we were always constantly getting that feedback that hey, we need some time to certify those uh, codes before they go into our production environment. We got a number of gates that we need to go past, and and two weeks is just too fast for us. And and also the fact that you want us to be within an N minus three, um, so six weeks was never enough, right? And then uh, earlier last year, we uh, we decided to to make them on a monthly basis. And w- while that 
did cover the majority of our customers. We still had a lot of enterprise financial uh, and even uh, medical customers that were saying that's that's not good enough for us. Um, aside from from that, um, you can only imagine the interoperability matrix was was really messy because we had so many releases and then people were not sure. Uh, because they were showing as 353 or 352 as the umbrella. Mm -hmm. And every one of those had a number of our releases under it. So customers would say, hey, is R135 still supported with NSXT 3.01? And uh, typically they'd have to come back to the PM for that. So the SE wouldn't know. Uh, they couldn't just go into that public interoperability matrix and figure it out on their own because they didn't know. Right. Right. Um, and and then finally, uh, a lot of our partners that were uh, leveraging ACX automation were saying, "Okay, so when will you introduce a breaking change to my APIs? And uh, what is the lead time on that? And when will you notify me?" So um, it was very tricky to manage all that together. And uh, we thought that moving to that semantic standard with the major uh, minor maintenance uh, and a patch uh, release makes it so much easier for for customers and uh, and even for us to address all that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. And so the next thing is this 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 is one that the migration estimation piece. This is something that a lot of my customers had been asking for for a long time. So this one I was really excited about. I I, I like the idea of being able to kind of yeah see you know, as you go through, you know, the, yeah, the real-time prediction of what a migration duration is going to look like and sort of being able to, you know, get a picture around, you know, yeah, how long is it going to take to do some of this stuff? So that, is, I think, is, is is a really cool ad. Right. What kind of, you know, how, how does it come up with this calculation? Is it looking at, you know, bytes that need to be moved and what the available bandwidth is and averages? And is it, you know, recalculating that on a regular basis? Right. So, so um, I'll just give you a bit of history back uh, um, uh, story for that. So, so w when we first started to sort of transition HCX from that HCM predecessor of vCloud Air thing into enterprise solution, um, obviously the first obvious use case was to just move VMs. But then um, the roadmap that I envision for the product is is to be it was to enable customers to uh, mobilize their workloads and their applications across multiple uh, data centers. And the challenge that some of our customers face with larger environments is, hey, I need to assign a project manager. The project manager needs to have a time plan. That time plan is going to have an implication on resources and budgeting. And I can't just sum up the total number of stories associated with VMs and say, OK, based on my pipe, throughput, I'm just going to throw five bodies at it and just get it done in six months. Because we all know there's a lot of process involved in, in moving those workloads and migrating those apps, uh, even, even from, a, from, a, from an approval process, right? And, and what we were trying to do is we were trying to simplify or provide some input uh, for customers. Um, so the way we thought of this is if we can gather some metrics from, uh, from vCenter, from vSAN, uh, from our infrastructure and come up with a real-time estimation for, the, for moving the bits, 
that would be our phase one. And that's the phase one that we're um, rolling out with the migration estimations. Uh, and then uh, for phase two, what we're thinking is we're gonna go into the prediction phase. So based on the historicals and all the migrations that the customer has done using that specific infrastructure, uh, those specific pipes, we'll be able to estimate the overall time it's going to take for the whole mobility group. So right now we're doing it on a VM level. Uh, we're just doing it for bulk migration, and it only picks up those metrics on uh, on, on a regular time uh, depending on how big the VM is, a regular time interval. But then going forward, as we roll this out uh, to the rest of our replication and migration solutions, we'll also be building on top of that to just add the prediction for fortune. So for example, if you look at the, the RAV piece, it's broken down into two, the bulk migration for the replication of the bits, and then uh, it all that parallel streaming goes into a serial transition. And it's really hard to, to detect that so with our next phase of migration estimation, we'll be able to provide that level of input for our customers. Almost like a, if, if I want to move this, the end result would be this many days or hours is kind of what a customer might expect out of that type of a um, uh, Eventually, yeah. eventually, yes. Oh, right, that's what I meant, like long-term, yeah. that's right. Well, okay, yeah, that'd be, that, that's a lot of the questions I get is, Okay, how long does this take? Well, and I hate to give the it depends answer, but um, right. with something that can, because it, it does depend on a lot of different things like you just talked about, but that's good. Yeah, and and, and that, that's that's always kind of everybody's first question whenever they get into these things is, well, how long is it going to take? I mean, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, and, and, and especially it's going to be based on what the, what the, app or the you know virtual machine group is or whatever or whatever those things are containing you know yep. i mean if it's if it's and a vsan policy and yeah. there's a number of factors uh like yeah too, too many variables in there and every yeah. one of them can can tweak that answer so in the past i've always heard that the the major bottleneck or the, the biggest bottleneck has always been the disk iops right is that still the case from like that, the source does this pay attention to kind of IOPS within the disk and what it's uh, able to sustain as far as read or write output? It's definitely one of the larger um, contributing factors to that. Um, we do see some some memory contention with with high intensive um, uh, VMs, and um, and then there's also the the IX portion because everything's going through a single IX and sort of limited on the bandwidth there. Um, so we are looking at optimizations across the board. Cool. Cool. All right. Next on the list, event details. We have a goal to achieve and that is to help customers um, move from one landing zone to another, one supported landing zone to another. Right. Uh, so that's, that takes the priority uh, and takes the, uh, the maximum number of resources. Uh, but then when you, when you look at um, observability and how you can share that level of granularity with the customer, um, the initial thought was, hey, we don't want to become a reporting tool because VMware has so many solutions there. Um, and, and, and we, we obviously can share a lot of that, um, uh, through our APIs and, and share them to other tools like VROPS or VRNI or anything else. 
but then there are the core processes that are happening inside HCX that some of them are not visible uh, to other uh, third party uh, or integrations. And, and we sort of owe that to the customers. The customer needs to understand why was the migration interrupted? Why did it fail? Everything looks in check. Uh, diagnostics says that my service mesh is pristine. Uh, everything should work, right? Um, so, so that's why we came up with this. Um, if you look at like the total number of messages, I think we have like over 55 different messages that we can display here. And uh, I think Gabe caught a glimpse of that um, on his slides uh, last week. Uh, but we are trying to make it as detailed as possible. And we are allowing customers to see that level of detail from the source and from the destination. So it'll be available from the connector and the cloud instances. Um, and, and hopefully that, that helps um, provide the clearer visibility as to what is happening. But if you, if you look closer, you'll see that we're, we're also putting timestamps and accumulative, I'm accumulating the total time. So if, if you try to link that with the previous feature we were talking about and how we want to generate like an end-to-end timeframe for the whole group, um, you'll see where we're going with that, right? And so you just have to read within the lines. Yeah, I love the level of detail that you get into for uh, showing the progress and where it's at. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, one customer was telling me it reminds him of uh, Z modem, but I don't know if anyone's going to get that reference. <laughs> Z modem, it's, a, it's an old guy thing. Dial up. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're old. <laughs> hey, man. I, I worked on the internet help desk back in the day, troubleshooting those bings and bongs. So that was, that was, that was a good time. <laughs> My dad had a punch card. Oh, <laughs> old man technology throwdown right here. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's I think it's great because like you know this is the one thing other kind of piece of feedback that I get from customers when they do this stuff is like yeah they want as much information while their stuff is moving as possible, and I mean it's it's not unlike you know hiring movers to show up at your house and pick up stuff you know you want to know where that truck is all the way along as it's going to your new house, so. So there is a delicate balance because you show too much information and people are just gonna start ignoring it, right? So yeah. So, you, yeah. so you gotta fine tune that. Um, you don't wanna show every single thing, otherwise you just go to go to CCLI and just uh, add a verbose parameter to some of the commands and you'll see a ton <laughs> of stuff, but no one's gonna understand anything, right? So so we're trying to show whatever uh, makes sense or relevant, uh, be relevant to the customer. Next, network extension details. This is yeah, you try, trying to help, you know, understand, you know, where layer two extensions can break down or is this a, is this a troubleshoot, more of a troubleshooting tool in for, for layer two extensions or... Is it just kind of so? A... This this goes back to that visibility uh, theme that we're trying to have for for the product. So we're trying to improve resiliency, uh, visibility, observability for the whole product because uh, we're at a stage where um, a lot of very large customers depend on us. Um, so far, ACX has moved over 135,000 workloads for VIA for customers all over the world. And um, 
some of the common feedback we were hearing is, you know, I, I like how HCX manages its whole data plane, everything's encrypted, but I don't know really what's going on there. Uh, I, I can't see how many um, bits and bytes have been transmitted and received. Uh, uh, I don't know what the performance of, of the network extension is. I don't know um, the MAC addresses of all the VMs are, that are on that network extension. Uh, just give me something to work with, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make this information available for customers. Uh, it just makes it easier for them to manage uh, their logical networks at the destination, make sure that everything is, is running correctly and, and they're seeing the, the amount of bandwidth. The other thing why we're sh showing the, the, uh, the transfer rates and, and uh, the transfer the transfer then received is, uh, you know how the ability have the availability to sort of split your network extensions onto a separate service mesh if you want to separate your traffic. Mm. Uh, so, so that's another way where we're providing that level of granularity and visibility. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's neat. I could definitely see this being utilized for troubleshooting stuff as it gets moved across, right? Trying to figure out is something hairpinning back to a gateway on the other side or some, you know, a VM talking to some other application that we forgot to put in the mobility group and we weren't aware that these two were talking to each other. And I could Absolutely. see this, this network path um, detail being helpful in that level. Is this going to, looks like it's just on a network extension basis right now. For now, yeah. Yeah, so I'm assuming it's going to roll into uh, maybe down the road uh, on a per VM basis, you can see that level of detail or? Um, so, so, so again, remember we were talking about fine-tuning fine that, that kind of visibility you showed too much and no one, everyone stops looking. Sure. Um, so I, I do have a, uh, a call scheduled next week uh, with Umang uh, from VRNI. Um, they will be uh, enhancing that um, integration capabilities with HCX, they will be adding uh, a lot more uh, dashboards. And we just need to make a decision on whether we want to have that in-house within the product or just push it out to... Uh, yeah, I can easily see that being a, a nice integration with VRNI to give you that yeah. granular detail that you'd need. Absolutely. Well, and from, from, you know, networking people's perspective, I mean, you know, traditional network people, they, they want to know this level of detail. So, yes. and, and they want to be able to, yeah, pull up a MAC address and see where it is. And then they want to see, you know, yeah, counters going up and they want, they want all this kind of stuff that they're used to pulling out of their, their switch when they you know, log into their old CLI that they just can't let go of. Um, yeah. And so, so this is good. I mean, in, in that respect, of this, I think this will kind of continue lending, you know, network credibility to HCX in this vein of things. And, and I think the, the next piece, this in-service upgrade for network extension appliances, I think this is just further going to be even more adding to the credibility of HCX as a networking product. Um, you know, and so this is another cool piece of just, yeah, being able to do real-time real, real maintenance on these uh, uh, network extension appliances um, and, you know, adding, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's moving, moving it towards really, almost a real high availability level of, of the product would you, would you say mo um so so i would say it's not fully there yet it's, it's sort of halfway 
um, there. Because um, right now we have the in-service upgrade just for the network extension appliances. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, you know, the management plane, we had no issues with management plane. You could upgrade that during the migration. That's no big deal. Uh, network extension was, was critical and, um, and it would disrupt running migrations. So, um, so we are now making it uh, available for, even for the HCX advanced uh, users. Uh, they would need an extra IP and, and be able to, to run um, that upgrade process uh, with no uh, to minimal downtime uh, on the network extension appliance. Um, you raise a very good point, Britton, when it comes when you're talking about establishing HCX credibility in the networking world, right? And and I think that's an interesting view. Um, maybe get some feedback from all of you on that. Um, it kind of helps promote HCX as a platform, just like NSX is a platform. It's not a tool that was built for a single team or or a single admin within your environment. Uh, it's something that everyone can use for different purposes, but then achieve the same goal. And 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 I and I think that that helps with and it comes with the maturity of the product. And, and based on all the, the different projects we've been part of and, and the integrations that we have with all, with all the other um, solutions from VMware. So I, I think that's a good thing. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Like, like you're talking about network credibility. Um, I've often thought, you know, I don't, haven't dealt with directly a lot of customers when it comes to installing HCX like that. I've mostly talked about marketing and in theory, that's, that's my role. Um, but I've often wondered, um, have customers tried to work around their network team by installing this, right? Because their network team is not helping them. And here these guys go off and do a network extension across a couple different sites and move some VMs. And then they come back and they're like, hey, can you tear down that gateway over there? And they're like, what, what why, right? You know, has, has have you ever seen stuff like that happen where there, this tool has been used to kind of make shadow IT within the, the network org? So, so I have, and and I think part of, part of that was, um, let's say, I don't want to, I don't know what's, what's the right term for it, lack of exposure. Because um, if you're telling a, a team member that, hey, I'm going to do this, whether you're in or not, it's it's not really uh, the best attitude to get them engaged, yeah. right? right? Whereas if yeah. you're educating them on, well, this is what's possible. And uh, this reduces the number of tickets that I have to open with your team. <laughs> This is what we can do, and oh, by the way, I can share access to that tool or platform, and you can get your own credentials. You can do your own stuff. I can actually push a lot of the logs into your Syslog server, or you can uh, you can see a lot of the integration through VRNI or or any of that, and just make it more of a team thing rather than just hold the knowledge to yourself or try to succeed on your own because I, I don't see that as a, as a long-term kind of strategy that will help any company yeah absolutely so sure. it's it's you're right mo and and the, the, from from my you know field perspective on this the customers that i interact with on a regular basis i get i in, in the last you know year and a half of being with vmware you know so i, I cover a very specific vertical which is just healthcare and the thing that I get back from customers is number one, the networking teams in healthcare organizations are even more averse to change than mm. network, you know, administrators everywhere. 
So because it's healthcare, they just want to set it and forget it, build it once, and it needs to be highly resilient and all those good things. They are pretty much across the board not interested in network software over, software defined overlays. Um, so the 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 NSX capabilities to do you know routing and switching and all that kind of stuff that it does. The feedback I get from from customers in my area is we, we don't want it, and so so I've had to kind of pivot a lot of my communications and things that I deal with my customers to just talking about security use cases because that's what healthcare is really about right now. They want to be secure. And speaking of security, yeah, that, that's, that's our next piece. <laughs> but, but in terms of like software credibility, though, I, I think this this will help in that regard of things because because yeah, like there there are there is that other piece of this where. Yeah, the network guys who, you know, have grown up with their hard, hardware network gear and they, they, they've used it for 20 years or longer in some cases, they know it, they trust it, they, it just works for them, even though, of course, it has problems just like everything else. And of course, it's still software at the end of yeah. the day. But at the same time, it's software that they know and understand and trust and love and they just want to hold it and keep it close to them because that's what they do. And it's just Absolutely. how we all are. And so, you know, and, and I think it's just taking NSX and software-defined networking in general, it's going to just take time to build that credibility as a sta- stable platform for people to trust. And, you know, it's this kind of stuff that as we kind of can, you know, build in, you know, redundancies and things within the software to make it more resilient and more trustworthy, we'll start to see, I think, a greater uptick of adoption towards this methodology and moving away from these things because this is the way we've always done it. And, and I Absolutely. think, I think the, you know, the Amazons and the Azures and the, the, the native, the native public clouds of the world are kind of opening that up to people as well, because the, all that stuff is software defined. And so the more the industry moves in this direction, the more time tested these things get, the more we'll see adoption of it is my, my two cents. I, I agree with the that. more features you're going to get. Yep. Yeah, I think anytime some of these things like showing the the transfer and receive and and I know Brittany and I've worked together on this and and oftentimes just demystifying some of those underlying things that are questions. Hey, I want to make sure that it's not going to overload my network bandwidth to take it away from something else. Just demystifying it and just making it known. Right. Right. And in a test, a small test, then you can say, okay, I feel better about this because it's at least showing me what I want to know more so than not. So, and then you take that and scale it long-term and then it's, yeah, adopted further and better because of it. Like you said, Britton, just seconding your thoughts really. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So as security tag migration. So this is a, a big, big, big one, especially for customers, as, you know, as, as we like to do. This has kind of been termed within the NSBU as sort of the year of migration for customers from NSX vSphere to NSXT. Um, so anything that can help customers do migration of those types of things right now is is a step in the right direction. So... So per, for, from from all of the NSPU, thank you, Mo, for, for, for working to get this in. Um, this was like this is a good one, and and even my even you know my manager was just like yeah he he was excited to see this. So if, if if the SE managers are getting excited about security things being added to HCX, you know you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Absolutely, and we're happy to help. I just want to make sure um, whoever's 
listening to this podcast, we're not saying that HCX is the migration tool from your NSXV right. to NSXT. Uh, we are a part of it. Yes. Um, and, and that's what we wanted to clarify. So uh, we still do not um, synchronize firewall rules. Um, we still move the, the VMs. Uh, and while we understand VXLAN and Geneve, uh, we are able to uh, pick up the security tag. If there was an NSX security tag associated with that VM, we are able to pick that up or, or create it if it wasn't there uh, as, as it moves to that new one. And now we are doing a lot of, I am doing a lot of work uh, with my peers uh, in the NSBU. Uh, to see what we can do there. Uh, there were plenty of options uh, uh, presented in the NSX T11 on how to migrate uh, V2T. And, and we are working on something together to maybe help, help add more use cases to that. Uh, just wanted to put the disclaimer out there. Okay. We are not an NSX E2T migration. Right. Well, and, and that's why we have the migration coordinator, really. I mean, that's what it's there for. But absolutely. Know, any, anything. That, absolutely. And, 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 and this is the thing I've discovered as I start to work through, you know, my backlog of customers that have NSX or vSphere. And as they're doing this move to T, I mean, yeah, it's every single one of these projects is different. Um, because every single customer who's deployed NSX for vSphere deployed it for a very specific reason. And they have a very specific subset of things that they needed it to do. And so some of them, it's really easy. It's just, oh, we're not, we're not using the networking parts. We're just using distributed firewall. We're really only using it for VDI. So now we just have to move this over here, vMotion them and done and set up a couple firewall rules and we're good. And then that's the simple ones. And then there's the other ones who have, yeah, full on, you know, network overlays. They've got edge service gateways everywhere. They've got all these, you know, OSPF routing connections. So now they now they're moving to BGP, and it's just you know there's a lot of moving components to some of these things. So anything, I feel like anything that we can give customers right now that helps make it even, you know, a minute easier <laughs> and take a little bit of that workload off of getting it done is is good. It's all good stuff. That's pretty much the, the list, right? Is there, there's, is there any minor stuff? There, these are all the major points. Is there any minor things that were included in this release that weren't really called out in the blog post, Mo? We, we always want to have this rolling thunder so, so that people are, are really excited about, about every quarterly release that we, that we put out there. Okay. And, and yes, we have customers that have already upgraded to 4.0.0 and uh, we, we already have customers that are providing feedback, just like Britton was saying. Uh, we have customers in EMEA that are testing this for pro production. Any final thoughts, questions from Andy, Heath, anybody? Mo? I have, yeah, I have one, um, just to go back to two things that we talked about earlier. Um, Mo, you said that there was um, almost a change in licensing, something that was now included under advanced licensing. Um, or maybe I misunderstood. Um, you said that you were including a feature that was previously an advanced or an enterprise feature into it, um, advanced. Did I hear that correctly? Um, no, maybe I misspoke. Uh, okay. What I meant is that all a lot of the all the features actually that we talked about today are going to be part of the core licensing, so they will be available in either to advanced and enterprise um, customers. Okay, so got it. You don't, you don't need to upgrade to get any of those. Those are core. Got it. 
Okay, yep, that makes sense. And then the other thought was, um, we've talked about uh, VRNI as well as one other product under the VRealize suite is um, VROps. Um, I know that there's some tie-ins now to both of those. Um, are there any tie-ins from HCX into any other product that uh, may help customers? That is something that's maybe not obvious. If you're a VM customer, a VMware customer, you, you don't really care uh, which VUs working on which solution. You want to have a um, a streamlined experience that takes you th through whatever you want to achieve with the minimal number of interactions uh, and, and complexity. So you want to streamline that whole customer experience. And if you can do this across on-prem, off-prem, VMC, hyperscalers, uh, whatever, whatever it takes, you just need to provide that streamlined process. And, and I think from a VMware perspective, it's in our best interest to uh, sort of create all those tie-ins across the board to justify why customers should be investing in, in such an offering. Because if you look at other offerings out there, and I don't think whatever we're offering today is not something that new people just used to do it over months or years uh, using like 20 30 companies and they do the integration on their own and and with what we're doing we're just trying to simplify the process and and that has had an impact on the time it took for projects to to run or or the overall project cost and if we if you're successful doing that doesn't really matter which v, which BU saves the day. I think all of us working together, uh, serving our customers and making them happy. Right. Yeah. Customers just want their stuff to work. That's it. For sure. Yeah. Simply put. Yeah. <laughs> they want they want to go home okay. at the end of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mo, for joining. I appreciate it. I, I look forward to having you back on in the future. So. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you, guys. Yeah. Uh, happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday, everybody, and stay warm and stay safe and have, have, a, have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the HCX Majors podcast. Thanks to Heath and Andy and Mo for joining us today. If you're enjoying the show, please rate us on your podcast app of choice. Please share it so others can find us. And thanks again. simple. Any device, any application, any cloud, intrinsic security. And today we're delighted to announce. Welcome to the HCX Majors podcast, episode six for Friday, February 26, 2021. Live from Indiana, I'm Britton Johnson. Oh, my turn? Right. Yeah. And this is Heath Johnson. I'm uh, oh, part of the VMware Cloud Foundation. Yeah, you're, you're screwing it up already.
<laughs> out! Get out! <laughs> Do we have the ability to remove people out of this? We, we might have to. 